0: welcome to another edition of the Chivas del Norte podcast. My name is Varo, and with me today to discuss the positive side of Chivas, we have Melissa. Melissa, what's up?
1: Well, we're still alive. Um, we just went away for a few months, <laughs> partly, partly my fault because of work and, and other life stuff. But yeah, we're back, um, and we have like a lot to talk about, and the positive side of, of Chivas today it is on both teams, so...
0: Yeah, I guess you could say that, right? I think fans, are, fans woke up to a nice little present if you're a fan of the men's side. She uh, was announced this morning that teacher and his coaching staff have been let go from the team after beating Pachuca last night 1-0 in a very uh, not exciting game.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't watch, to be honest. I haven't been really watching the, <laughs> the men's matches but we're going to claim this because maybe if we had recorded, like, a few months back, they would have kicked out Buzetich. But now that we just happened to get together to, to record the podcast, he's fired. So, yeah, you're welcome, Chivas fans.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, it, the move makes no sense. But then most of the things that the Chivas front of office does never make sense. So I guess it's just a typical Chivas move. Yeah, It was Boyle's
1: poils- fault. I don't know what he said to Buzetich, but... <laughs> It
0: worked. They Teach addressed that too last night. He said that everything was fine. You know, he's like these things happen and everything is fine. And then this morning he got fired. Maybe it was Pollo. You know, the Amazon yeah. series did wonders for him, and now him getting Teach fired is going to do even more for him to be a yeah, we're, legend. Yeah,
1: we're out there like thinking that Molina is the one with the power in the locker room. <laughs> it, it ended up being Pollo.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I think we're going to discuss that more on the men's episode if you want to join this melissa but you know you say you haven't been watching them but it's always good to vent i think i mean we've been having the twitter spaces here and there and and fans seem to really like jumping into those just to complain about she get stuff off their chest
1: yes it's therapy
0: <laughs> but i mean let's just jump right into the the feminine recap we have we're halfway into the Femenil season, they're in the uh, game 9 out of 17. Um, but we'll start from the beginning, Melissa. Let's talk about the departures and the additions to the Cuba Femenil squad for those that have not been watching and maybe want to jump in halfway through the season. Um, in terms of departures, there weren't many this time, unlike uh, our last season where a lot of the team kind of just disappeared. This offseason, we lost uh, Miriam Garcia. She went over to Tigres. And we lost Fernanda Yala, who I think is the Mazatlana, if I'm correct.
1: Yeah, she said Mazatlana. I mean, Fernanda Yala was like listed as transferable since last season, so that wasn't a surprise. And I mean, the Miriam Garcia situation, not going to lie, it kind of hurt because, you know, she's a, yeah. a Chivas-grown player and she's someone who was always so committed to the team and... She was a fan favorite. I mean, she was one of the captains for the team. I mean, a solid defender. And I mean, it was kind of expected because of the issues with, with her agency. Like she was the only player left from her agency in Chivas. So it was just a matter of time of, of when she was going to leave it and where she was going to go to. So, I mean, no surprise it being one of the of the Regio teams. I mean, I think that she would've have, have had a hard time like getting a starter spot anywhere else, like in, in one of the top contenders. But I mean it's still sad because she hasn't gotten many minutes, partly because of an injury. Um she just got back to training, so I mean she hasn't had like such a great season. And she also drops these hints here and there on Twitter. She tweeted like the other day after Achiva's match. Um, something like I still miss you or something like that so I mean <laughs> I'm sorry Miriam that you had to do that because of your agency or whatever but I mean in the end of, of the day like it, it was her choice so I mean I just like wish her the best I mean I hope that she she's able to get a, a break from the injuries because she's a fantastic player and I mean it can only be good for the national team if players like her are in top shape so yeah I mean not, not much in the in in. In terms of departures um i think that helped kind of like stabilize the team and like after the season everybody everybody had like making a final and everything i mean i think that trying to keep the the squad as together as possible was really important
0: yeah definitely uh, melissa do you think Miriam is the is the feminine version of orbelin Pineda? where he's always posting, like, these cryptic messages and watching the games and, like, rooting for them instead of actually rooting for his own team.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think that, like I said, I mean, she was one of the players who was, like, most identified with, with like, the team and, and everything. So I hope that, that she can come back. But, I mean, I, I feel bad about her, like, not being able to shine because of injuries. I mean, yeah, it, it sucks to see that. Like, I hope that, that she can catch a break and, and do better
0: yeah for sure she just got back to training right so she might be a uh, a dark horse for the uh former chivas players uh prospering thread that we have going on on twitter
1: yeah and another good thing that she can do for chivas is like take over a starting spot and maybe pressure cristina ferral into signing with chivas i mean that would be <laughs> being a real team player for us so miriam <laughs> if you listen to this go and train super hard and, and get that starting spot
0: <laughs> there you go um Melissa, we also had additions to the squad this offseason. Uh, I know we had a couple of the pilot players, uh, pilot team players called up. Um, I didn't get all the names, but um, in terms of like signings from other teams, we got Cassandra Montero from Mazatlan. We got Atsima Casas from FC Juarez and the return of Ruby Soto from Villarreal after she left Chivas, I think, a year ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, I also remember like seeing. A bit of people grumbling here and there over at Simba and Cassandra in terms of, oh, we're not signing like from huge teams or we are not signing players from Europe. But I mean, Cassandra Montero, she's solid. I mean, she's been solid for Chivas. She was a great fit because we really needed some help in the midfield. And I mean, we'll probably get to this later, but. I mean, her her absence in the last few games really messed Chivas up. I mean, she was something that, a piece that we didn't have, and just in a few games, she became, like, really fundamental to the team. And, yeah, I mean, she's, like, a, a defensive midfielder. She was, before she was signed by Chivas, she was one of the players with the most ball recoveries in the league. So so she was, like, the engine for, for Mazatlan. I mean, she was a really, really solid player, and she, she adapted really well at Chivas. Mm, at Simba... She's a center forward, and I mean, I can see her being brought in as a maybe as a substitute or as a complement to Licha, especially after the the Yashira Barrientos injury. And she hasn't gotten that many minutes, but I think that they are trying to ease her in, um, particularly on the physical side of things, because she's even admitted on interviews. She said that the the level of training at Chivas. Is much more demanding than anything she had ever done. So, I think that they're trying to get her up to speed in in that, and then try to see how she fits in, like with the with the team. I kind of enjoyed what what she's done. I I think that she's a player that can fit in with that kind of like pressure style that they sometimes play. And Ruby, I mean, she was maybe like the the big splash for Chivas during the the transfer season, but she hasn't been doing that well. I mean. Obviously, the lack of, of playing time at Villarreal seems to be weighing in on her. And I don't know if there's like, I get the sense that there's like a mental block for her. Maybe she's pressuring herself too much into being like, or returning as a star or, or like with expectations that everybody had on her. Because when she left, I mean, she was like the best player in her position in the league. And I think that maybe the pressure is getting to her Um And I think that maybe she has been kind of like underwhelming in a a way. But I mean, hopefully she can finish like adapting and maybe hopefully if she scores soon, she can like get that chip off her shoulder and, and like go back to being like the same Ruby that we saw when she was at her height with Chivas. And I mean, from the from the youth squad we brought in um carol contreras who is a, a goalkeeper we haven't really seen much from her but she's had like a consistent process with chivas she she had been already like on a few preseasons seasons and training with the with the senior team and she's also like uh for goalkeepers and particularly in the, in the league she's very tall like you see pictures of her next to celeste and like they look like normal and then they they get photos with the rest of the squad and they look like giants (laughs) so yeah i mean haven't seen her yet but like i'm sure that she's having like a great process and like it also helps to have like tall goalkeepers in in the in the team and then from the youth squad we also brought in let me check um, paloma paloma magallanes i think she joined this season she's kind of like a midfielder or a winger and she already had an assist so I hope we, we get to see more of her because we haven't really gotten to see much of her. And then Tania Morales came back from her injury. Um, She was finally back on bench against Santos last match, so she should also probably be getting more minutes. And then Luisa de Alba, who is a forward, and we haven't really seen much from her either, but I know that she's one of the players who has been training with the team like for at least a year now. So, I mean, she should be like very... Like acquainted with the with the way the team plays and with what chore asks from play, players. So, yeah, those were all the all the signings that we had during the transfer season.
0: Yeah, and then we we have the injuries to like you mentioned Yashira Barrientos and we have Susan Bejarano, too. I think they're both not gonna be back. Maybe Yashira has a chance at playing this season, but I, I think Susan is out right till next season for sure.
1: Yeah, Susan hasn't like her recovery is kind of like going to take more time and then yashira yeah, has been going really fast um i think that she's already doing like on pitch training with the team on so on some like exercises so it's been really impressive because i think that she's had one of the fastest recoveries i've seen yeah like macy out there so i mean hopefully we can see her maybe right at the end of the season and also blanca who injured her mm, hand yep. and she's already doing like some um light like hand training and stuff like that
0: yeah she had like a like a a broken bone in uh, i think her left hand right something like that yeah she
1: she got like some ligaments fixed or something like that but yeah she's just starting like the like the rehab part like on her hand mobility and stuff like that so i i think that it's going to take like maybe a month before she's back so i mean she's basically going to be out all season too
0: yeah it's crazy but i'm just to like go backtrack a little like i know when they announced that ruby soto would come back i was excited cuz la- i think last year we recorded it was like one of the first like feminine dedicated episodes we recorded and it was about ruby soto leaving to to spain and at that point she had been like my favorite player watching the team so she comes back you're right she hasn't she hasn't shined like we like we thought she would coming back from spain but I think you're right. I think just a mental block. I think once she gets an assist or a goal, she all that pressure comes off and she can just start playing pressure free pressure free football. You know, we've seen other players on Chivas kinda go through the same thing. I think like Jocelyn Montoya is like a perfect example. Like we've seen her grow and like once she kinda gets like a goal or an assist, that's it. Like she plays so much more with, with so much more confidence. So I think it's just a matter of time for for Ruby Soto and that, Cassandra Montero and Naxi Casas, I'll admit that I wasn't like familiar with them too much, but I think they fit into the team and the, the the way that Shorty wants the wants the team to play. Especially Cassandra Montero, I think. I think her addition is a pretty big one, especially after Susan Bejarano went went down with the ACL tear against Atlas in the semifinals last season.
1: Yeah, and the and the lucky thing with Cassandra is that her injury wasn't like a knee or like leg related. She just, like, hurt her elbow. they like, on going to fall. So, yeah. I mean, that that's, like, at least within the bad news of her injury, the good news was that it wasn't anything that we might worry that it could be, like, a chronic issue. Because I think that she's going to be, like, huge in terms for for the team rearranging itself a little bit for the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we know it's not serious because Licha even made, a, made, made, like, a little uh, celebration out of her. Out of her injury, I forget against who, but she did the little uh, arm hang and she left it dangling. They said that's what Cassandra Montero looked like after she got hurt.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's like the second time we've seen that that celebration because I remember, I think it was Yashira. I think it was against San Luis that she did that because Tania also had like a similar injury like a year ago, over a year ago. And so it's like, it's become kind of like a tradition, I guess, that when someone injures their elbow, they get that (laughs) that goal dedication.
0: Yeah, it's it's good to see. Um, And then uh, Melissa, you mentioned Blanca Felix. And when the season started, we would have recorded Blanca Felix versus Celeste Espino, at goalkeeper, would have probably been one of the bigger topics we would have covered in the episode. But with the injury... You know, that question was kind of answered for sure. He had no option, and Celeste Espino's been the starting goalkeeper, I think, since week three of the season, because I think she went out. I think Blanca went out after the Cruz Azul game. So Celeste, it's been all Celeste since then, and she's done a pretty good job at at goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, I think that it ended up working up, I think, for the in a way for the best, because we were all expecting... Celeste to get minutes are at like more demanding matches and mm-hmm. maybe to start playing Clásicos and so on and I mean I think that this being an, an injury kind of smooths things things out in a, in a way because it's not necessarily like bypassing Blanca over Celeste I mean it's just something that happened and I mean even on, on the Detrás del Rebaño videos which are really great and I really recommend people watch those. I mean, you, you can tell that Blanca is always there like at the matches and like she's always talking to Celeste after the game. So there's like a lot of support there. And I think that Blanca kind of like understands that she had her moment in, in her time during the team's first season. And she kind of understands maybe the, the importance of these moments in a goalkeeper's career, right? Of getting like the chance and stepping up to to the challenge. So, I mean, I think that the fact that there's support there speaks well both from, from Blanca and, and Celeste's perspectives. And yeah, I think that, that she's done great. I mean, it helps that she's very tall. And we've also been seeing like what she can do in terms of her technique. I mean, of course, there there are things that she needs to polish. And like I think that they're not necessarily bad things or things that can't be worked around still because she's very young. I mean, she's 18. And I think that the things that we've seen that have room for improvement are normal. And I think that she will keep getting them like with experience, like learning when to maybe leave the, the goal line and trying to feel more comfortable outside the box and things like that. And I think that Blanca could be a great teacher for her because funny enough, those are things that Blanca excels at. So I think that they can work together to to be better. And I think that that's going to be kind of like a great fit for them. and yeah, I mean I think that we've also seen her make some mistakes and like I'd I mentioned this on Twitter. I mean there are times where it's going to be very obvious that Celeste is is eighteen and at, at least like to her credit, those moments never came like against Atlas, for example. So I mean I think that her first classical tapatio was I think that I think she did great and I think that it also shows that she has like that mental attitude to to be there on, on big matches like that
0: yeah for sure the, you, you mentioned she's 18 so there's definitely going to be growing pains with the keeper that's 18 years old you know keepers for the most part they don't debut that young you know they debut at like 21 22 once they're much more um established as keepers but Celeste's is 18 and I think she's doing she's doing a good job um I think one of big big strength that she has I think over Blanca is kind of her distribution with her feet Um, in terms of like long balls like I think she she had an assist right earlier this this season to somebody because I think she just launched it and it was just like the perfect pass so she has like great distribution with her feet Um, she can get the ball up the field quickly I think at times we we saw that Blanca kind of I don't know if she didn't have the leg the power in her leg or whatnot but um it it was, you know, she she wouldn't make it, I think, past, like, the half, the half line of the, of the field, and Celeste kind of just had, like, a rocket, she could boot it, and just set up counterattacks all by herself, um, yeah, she struggles a little, like, in one-on-ones, or, le- or kind of learning when to leave her, her goal line, like you said, but I think that's just a matter of getting more experience, I know some of the teams in the league that she's versed aren't, like, the offensive juggernauts that kind of put her to the test like that but um like the, San- the santos game that just passed obviously they they definitely put her to the test and they they dropped five on chivas so she definitely has i think she i think that's a good game though because it gives the players a chance to kind of learn from the mistakes and and kind of be ready for tougher games later to come up in the season still
1: yeah i mean i think that the the santos game was in some ways an anomaly because of some things that would happen or maybe the amount of goals. And in some ways it it also showed like the things that Chivas needs to work in. And Mm. I mean, part of of that match, I mean, just from the emotional standpoint and like as a, in terms of like pure spectacle, it was a fun match, even though Chivas lost. Yeah. And I mean, I think that in terms of good things that I would rescue for for Chivas from that game was... um, like the mental aspect, because sometimes we would see that if they were down on the scoreline, they would start getting desperate and, and things like that. And we saw like them keep their cool. Like even though they came back from 2-0 and then Santos scored again and it was back and forth, but they, they, they stayed there. So I think that that's like something that speaks well of the team and, and maybe the, the work that Chori is doing with them. But it was also weird in a way because of the way that the team was set up. There were a lot of changes in defense uh, forced by Cassandra Montero's injury and, and other situations. So, I mean, I would have expected the team to fail like that defensively against Atlas, which was their first match like with this setup. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being against Santos. So, I mean, in a way, I'd rather have them lose 5-4 to, to Santos than them having lost 3-0 against Atlas. So, I mean, if you're going to get a, a match like this, that it's going to be like a loss and that that there's going to be like a lot of things to look into, at least the, the timing was good in a way because it was before a FIFA break. So you can kind of like regroup mentally and like have like a, a extra time to review what went wrong and what you need to work on. So, I mean, I think that after the, the FIFA break, we're going to see... Like, maybe the team come back stronger, like, physically, mentally. And also, like, if Cassandra Montero comes back, I think that it's going to be, like, having that piece that makes, like, the midfield and the defense click, because you are not forced to have uh, Michelle on the mid, and you can send her back to center back, and that releases Jacqueline as a right back, and you kind of regain that attack, because I think that Chelly Torres has been surprising to me, because... Like, when she would play on on left back, she was, like, a a mess. Like, her confidence was terrible. And then Chore started playing her on the right. And she's been doing great, but she still has ways to go before she can reach, like, the level Jacqueline Rodriguez has. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, that the Santos game was, in a way, certain things that were forced on Chivas to do and others that, you need to give credit to Santos because Santos have been like the surprise team this season. They were a team that was always like on the, on the bottom of the the table or maybe mid bottom. And right now they're in fourth place and they have scored even more goals than Chivas. So you also have to give credit to, to the, to the rival because they played well. And I think that, was also like a good test for Chivas because you, you want to play matches that are demanding of you. So I also like the fact that, that Chore was giving credit to Santos because you also want to see that attitude in the, in the team, like going from the coach to the players. You want to see a coach that doesn't make any excuses and that is willing to recognize that that they were beating like in a fair way. So, I mean, I think that also that attitude... Kind of rubs into the players, and it kind of reminds them that they are responsible of, of of like the losses, and and that they are also going to be, there are going to be moments when their their rival is going to be better than them, and that they need to to keep their cool and and handle it well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I don't think there's any, like we were expecting, kind of like backlash on social media. I know we talked about it after the game, and there kind of, there there really wasn't any, right? Um, I I didn't really see any. Any fans mad at at the Chivas loss, or there was like a little bit of uh, Celeste Espino criticism out there, but for the most part, fans were like, "What a game!" Right? No, no, no one minded that that Chivas lost. Everybody was like, "What a game!" Um, the team went out fighting. At no point did they give up. They scored like an 89th minute goal, and then they lost on like a 93rd minute goal or something. So fans were were okay with the result because of, of the performance that they saw from the team. And like you said, I think post FIFA break, Chivas is gonna come back even stronger if um, Montero comes back. That's the that's the missing midfield piece I think for Chivas right now. It right now Chivas was forced to make like these weird substitutions or or lineups and position wise. So I think once Monteto comes back, everything kind of falls back into place because right before she got injured, is right when Chivas started looking like the team we kind of expected them to because they also got off to like a not like the best start. Remember, they, they had that tie against Cruz Azul. They, um, they kind of barely beat Juarez. They kind of barely beat León. And then, you know, right when Chivas started to click, Montero goes out with that injury. So I think once Montero comes back, I think Chivas is just going to be the team we expect them to be. In. And they need to be because the the tougher opponents are coming at in the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and like coming back a bit into the reactions to the Santos loss, I think that, in a way, the Femenil team have built credit. Like, people are not going to get immediately mad at them for losing one game. Yeah. And like you said, it, it also was the way that they lost. I mean, if you score four goals and you tie it on the any 89th minute and then the other team scores on you on the, on the very last play, I mean, there's only so much you can do. And I think that, yeah, maybe that mistake to to grant that free kick at the last minute was like a, a bad mistake but I also think that's the kind of mistake that they are going to keep in mind the rest of the season that they cannot be conceding like fouls so late in the game so yeah I mean I think that they built like a, a certain amount of of credit with fans because of the way they play and of the way that they their attitude I mean not just the their execution so maybe in a way even though they, they've still gotten good results, they kind of feel like they've slowed down a little bit. But I think that also, in a way, the balances in the team have shifted. I think that they are all trying to push harder for Licha to get the golden boot. So you kind of have seen... We, we've seen like Jocelyn and Caro drop their, their scoring productivity a little bit. And I think that Caro had like also a slow start to the season. I mean, mm-hmm. she wasn't clicking as much as she was last season. And Jocelyn Montoya has stepped in big time. Like, she's the, the leader in assists for the team, and she's up there, I think, in the top five for assists in the league. So she kind of took, in away, way, Caro's role in, in terms of building plays and, and serving up assists for Licha. So, yeah, I think that it's, it's a bit um, worrisome that Montoya and Caro haven't been scoring as much. But I think that that they'll find their 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 group. But I think that it's also, like I said, we can chalk it up to them trying to, to push Licha into the into the Golden Boot race. And so far, it's worked. I mean, Licha is currently tied in first place with eleven goals with Cathy Martinez. So they've been able to to stay up there in the in that title for the for the Golden Boot. So I think that it's also okay if they, like the like if the team's deciding to to try and do that like as long as it doesn't really affect the results so we've also been seeing kind of like that that shift in the in the weight for certain roles in the team as well
0: yeah definitely i mean i think that's a perfect segue into you know standout players so far in the season for us and then the players we were expecting more from um i mean obviously you mentioned licha and she's she's doing what licha has to do right she's being the Leading goal scorer, she's out there fighting for every ball. She's killing herself every game, and that's exactly what we expected from a player like Licha Cervantes, based on what we've seen from her the last couple of seasons with Chivas. Um, but Melissa, like, uh, like a low-key standout player, like not the not an obvious choice. Who who would you pick?
1: Um, besides, um, well, yeah, I mean, I think that Jocelyn, because maybe she's going to be mm-hmm. underrated in terms of of how she's been instrumental in terms of assists but mm, i don't know i mean standouts um, besides just maybe i think that miriam castillo has been pretty solid again and like she tends to be underrated a lot yeah so maybe like she's been really consistent and i mean i don't know i think that michelle gonzalez gets a bad rep sometimes with fans but she's been playing to different positions this (laughs) season and, I mean, I, I don't think that she's necessarily been bad. I mean, it's just that we we know, like, what her limitations are in terms of speed. But even, like, considering everything, I I think that she's been doing, like, a good job, like, with what she's been dealt with. And she's also anchoring a a defense that is very young. So, she's the oldest player, like, between the, the back line, So... Her and Jacqueline have been also trying to step into that role of of being the leaders there and, and trying to be the experienced players, but they are both like twenty five or twenty six years old, so it's not like they're like these super veterans um leading the the team defensively. So yeah, I mean, I think that I, I don't know what your picks are.
0: Um, well, I think my pick, if we have to like not pick like a obvious choice, I think I go with um Gabi Valenzuela. I think she's um stepped up this season I think when she gets to start she plays well she has assists she has goals um you know I think her when she was signed there, I think she was like a long-term project because we know what kind of football she came from and now to step up to first division football and you know she scored in the final last season so I think I think I mean is doing a, a great job this season I think a lot of people don't have her on their radar Um, You know, Ruby Soto probably or Annette Vasquez were probably supposed to be the players that shine the most on the wing besides Jocelyn Montoya. But I think after Jocelyn Montoya, I think Gabi Valenzuela is is up there in terms of like our best uh, winger options.
1: Yeah, I think that it's only fair that she gets the start over Ruby. And another thing that that Valenzuela has been doing really well is picking up those PKs. And (laughs) like we've talked about this before, Licha and, and Jocelyn never like stay down. No. Like they can get 20 kicks in the in the PK box and they still try to get up and keep <laughs> up with the play and that kind of sometimes works against them because refs don't don't give them the fouls like even though it's a very obvious play where they're being being kicked they still won't grant them so I think that maybe Valenzuela has kind of a little bit more of that yeah sorry my, my roommate's dog is barking <laughs> um, it's fine. Yeah, so she's been able to do that and yeah, I, I agree. I think that she should be the starter right now on right mm-hmm. wing and she does bring like a, a really interesting like skill set to, to Chivas. So yeah, I mean I think that she's definitely like a player who has that staying power, like in terms of becoming an important piece for Chivas like as time progresses. And she was a great fit and she was also a player who got like a lot of crap when she was first signed because people were were kind of panicking over the exodus of players and they were kind of angry because she was coming in from an amateur team and like why is Chivas stooping down to to signing these kinds of players? And then she ended up being the player that scored in a final. So yeah, I think that, that she's been having like a great like development process there and that's also one of the strengths at Chivas that they've been able to kind of like lead these young players into becoming better versions of themselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think I think her progress has been amazing to watch, and I think she's just gonna she's just gonna keep getting better, especially if Shorty gives her the the confidence and keeps giving her starts. Um, and then another player I think I have on my radar that I think can do big things if she start if she starts getting starts is gonna be uh Carlos Bernal. I think. You know, we we've, we've talked about it a lot on the on the side that in terms of like um, like physical appearance, like how in shape she is now compared to when she first got to the team, it's like day and night. Like we we joke around all the time that we need like we need to hire the Chivas fitness team for like a month so we can get in shape because apparently they whip you into shape really quick at, at Chivas, and um the minutes that Gattel has had this season, she she has like this nice control on the ball and um. She she's kind of brave enough to take on defenders and run up the pitch. I think as opposed to when uh, the Maris Godinez does it, it's kind of like a fifty fifty that it's going to work out. When Carlos Bernal kind of has it, I have a little a little more confidence in it. And defensively, defensive wise too, I think Carlos Bernal has improved. I, I remember when she made her debut, I forget against who it was, but I think she she didn't have the she didn't have the best debut, and I think she gave up a PK and maybe might have given up I think two, but one of them wasn't called so i think in terms of like improvement and how far along they've come with the team i think carol bernal can be a key piece to chivas if shorty starts giving her the start which i mean she has to beat the bodies for the position right but the skill set i think is there and if she gets the chance i think she can run away with it
1: yeah i mean carol also is one of the players who has like a i think that she still has like a high ceiling to to grow into and yeah, she had her her debut or, or one of her first matches and it was, I think that Chivas Femenil gets one freak match every season and last season it was against <laughs> Queretaro. Yeah. That was like the 3-3 draw that where Caro got a red card and that oh, was like yeah, a yeah. huge, yeah, it was fireworks. So I think that this season's freak match was um the one against Santos. So hopefully we can now get that out of our system. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I think that I've heard that Carol is really good at at center back. We haven't seen her there yet. And she's also, like, very young. Like you mentioned, like, her getting so fit, it also means that she's committed, right? So you Mm -hmm. you want to see players committed to to being better and doing better physically and, like, really being committed with being professional. So I think that maybe a, a bit of a downside with her is that I think that, She's kind of a bit like Pollo Briseño that she's like too intense, so sometimes she can be a little bit reckless. But I mean, that's also something that as they age and as they get more experience, they kind of wise up on on when you need to go hard in on, on a tackle and when you kind of don't need to do that.
0: Yeah, I think like we said with Celeste, you know, there it's like growing pains with with these young players. You know, you got to give them a chance to to learn, and if you're going to learn on the field, I think it's even even better for them in terms of like development um and then melissa i asked you know what players were kind of expecting more from and i think we already mentioned ruby soto we thought she was going to be like the the ruby soto we had before she left chivas and then we watched you know when whenever she played with we kind of tuned into the games and she looked like she had a like a nice like a nice um like her speed improved she had like more dribble control she had like that little spark in her game so i thought i i thought she was just gonna kill it right off the bat with um with her and has like a partnership but it just hasn't worked out so I think players that we're expecting more from I think she's probably at the top of the list for Chivas for me
1: yeah her and maybe a little bit Caro I mean I mm-hmm. think that she's also been having to to drop down a lot to help in the mid particularly after Cassandra got injured but yeah I think that she's been a little bit underwhelming I mean I'm, I'm not sure if, if if this is necessarily like worrisome, but I also kind of think that Isabella has been dropping down her level a little bit. And I mean, I think that's also, I, I am willing to cut her some slack because she's also very young and like with youth players, we kind of always expect this to be like a linear process, right? Like you keep getting better, mm-hmm. better, better and better yeah. every day. But you know, sometimes they, they also get their slumps and, I think that for her getting COVID kind of like maybe killed her momentum a little bit. And like, we also don't know like physically how, how she's been feeling. Like we saw that with, with Fernando Beltran, like they're both like young players who maybe like COVID hit them a little bit harder than we would have wanted them. But yeah, I think that, that I hope that she gets like more minutes and, and more confidence. Maybe it's like more of a mental thing. But yeah, I think that I, I expected maybe a little bit more from Isabella. But I mean, I, she's also like, I get that there's going to be like slumps for her, like in her process. So hopefully she can, she can bounce back and like be that, that like spark that she was always for Chivas.
0: Yeah, for sure. I definitely, I definitely want to see more Isabella Gutierrez. And you're right. I hope it's not, I hope it's not like COVID aftermath related where. You know, maybe she can't run for as long as she can. She used to be able to, or like you know, her endurance went down because of COVID. And you're right, we had the case with Fernando Beltran. So I hope it's not that um she did get a start, right? I think it was that one game where Shorty kind of just flipped everything over and put in a lot of youth players. And um, I, yeah, you're right though. I don't remember her being like. A, I expected her to shine that game when when I saw her. She was gonna start, but um, I don't I don't think she really got. The opportunity to so yeah, I hope I hope she gets more minutes and and goes back to like that that Isabella that we kind of saw and was kind of like that spark off the bench for Chivas whenever whenever she came on, but um i I'm, I'm sure she'll recover,
1: yeah, definitely, in
0: all right, we got all right, we covered the Chivas and Santos game ahead of mm-hmm. schedule, but then we have well we have national team duty now the. Feminine team is off until I think the twenty something, twenty six or something like that. They come yeah, back. Yeah, I mean,
1: she was again on the twenty seventh against Pachuca. Yep. and the senior national team plays on the twenty first against uh, Colombia in the Azteca.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I mean, they're probably going to to break the uh, training camp after the match. So they're still going to have like a few days to recover and. And get back with the team, which is always nice. So yeah, currently with the senior national team, it's um Licha, Caro and Jocelyn who are with the with the senior national team. And they are playing on Tuesday, Tuesday against right, yeah. Colombia. Yeah, but the Azteca. So there's going to be fans in the in the stands. I, I didn't make the trip for that, but yeah, it's going to be exciting. And hopefully we get to see Licha score her first goal with the with the national team there.
0: Definitely, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> and uh, any snubs you thought for the national team in terms of, uh, I know, probably uh, Jacqueline right at uh, right back. Still yeah, hasn't I don't what chance. else she
1: needs to do to, to get called up. I mean, it's ridiculous at this point. And like, if you're not going to call like Bianca Sierra, who is usually the, like the second option. And I don't know, maybe if she hadn't, she could have spared like maybe Kenty Robles the trip mm-hmm. because like she just started the season with with Real Madrid and like she's a a, a lock in for for a starter. So yeah, I mean I think that could have opened up the the chance for, for Jacqueline. But I mean I think that at this point it's obvious that Monica isn't even looking that way. So it's it's Monica's loss I think and the national team's loss because she's been doing great I mean she's been really consistent and I mean she's like tall enough maybe for the national team because I know that sometimes that can be a problem that they they can say oh well it's a she's not that tall and like we're facing European teams or or the USA and that's kind of like a factor but yeah I mean I I feel bad for her but I mean she, she just has to keep doing her her work like the way she has always done and like, if it comes, it comes. And if it doesn't, I mean, it's it's not going to be on her because I think that her level is good enough to be on that list. And that's just, like, a matter of of coach preferences. And, like, I mean, from the U20, I was surprised they didn't call Celeste. Mm-hmm. But maybe that was on a request from Chivas because, I mean, it's just basically Celeste and Carol Contreras, who hasn't had her debut on... As goalkeepers for Chivas, so maybe Chivas asked for for them not to call her because it would have been like a like a risk because the U-20 team traveled to to the Netherlands to play there. So I mean, if there's like COVID or maybe an injury, I think that it would have been like a mess for Chivas if she. So they're maybe they're trying not to risk her, so because otherwise it also like doesn't make sense that they are not calling her.
0: Yeah, I, I was surprised she wasn't on the list too.
1: And like for the U-20, there were also three players, which is um Carol Bernal, um, Isabela Gutierrez, and Annette Vasquez. So like I hope that also like going to the national team and like having a European tour, I think that's also going to help their confidence because they're not getting that many minutes right now. So I mean, that's always like a nice boost, particularly for younger players. So yeah, I think that in that case, it's going to help them like a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. it's always good to see them you know they come back a little more hungry for, I feel like for the from national team tours so that's good and it's a good experience too for them I think they're young so it's pretty cool to go to Netherlands and have a, a tour out there uh, are are any of those games going to be aired? I, I haven't I haven't checked I know the Mexico Columbia game is going to be I think it's going to be on through the end here in the, in the States but I'm not sure about the other ones
1: maybe the Facebook page? yeah um yeah, not sure but like the against the Netherlands they already played one match and it was a 7-0 loss which was really tough. And yeah, against the Netherlands I don't think that we're going to to see any broadcast. But yeah, the one against Colombia at the Azteca is is going to be televised, so we definitely need to need to keep an eye on that. And hopefully Monica finally wises up and, and plays Jocelyn with with Licha or Maria Jocelyn and yeah. Licha together or something. Because she could use some help. But it's also really funny because I think that she's look she looks more relaxed on this training camp than the ones before. I don't know if it's because they they've been like releasing more more party footage because of the of the Independence Day. But <laughs> overall I think that the, the whole roster looks like I don't know, more relaxed or, or more comfortable with each other. I mean, Licha is always kind of like a bit... Um, she always looks a bit like awkward, maybe. She doesn't like the camera as much. But yeah, it, it probably helps that, that Jocelyn and Caro are there.
0: Yeah, she got she has two teammates this time. Last time, I think it was just her. And every, every picture they caught her in, she it was just like, she looked miserable. <laughs>
1: yeah i i I can relate because that's how i look at family gatherings (laughs) (laughs) like i love my family but they're like a bit too loud (laughs) and like i I get that maybe she's like a bit of introvert so so yeah she's very relatable
0: (laughs) and then lastly melissa you added something to the agenda um i i I completely forgot about it but you go ahead
1: yeah so the rumor is that i mean i think that it's Pending Confirma- confirmation, but we know that the argentinian national team is coming to play against the Mexican national team. And the funny thing is that they're not playing at the Azteca; they're going to play at Tepatitlán, which might seem random. But the interesting part, and this is the FMF being the FMF, um there was I don't know if you you heard about this. Um, Tepatitlán won the Expansion League, and they weren't paid their prize money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: because they were told that they were just, like, a guest team, so they were not entitled to, their, I think it was 10 million pesos or something like that. So it seems like this might be, like, compensation, like, hey, we're going to give you, like, a national team match, and, like, you can keep the money or whatever from the tickets. And, like, also maybe, like, a bit the prestige. So, yeah, it seems like that's kind of, like, what happened there. And apparently it's going to be like a Jalisco tour for for Argentina because the other rumor is that they're going to play against Chivas I guess that is going to happen at the Akron, so let we have to keep an eye out on, on that so hopefully we'll get confirmation soon and I mean I'm definitely going to to ask for a permission at work to go to this match I don't care if it's scheduled on a Monday or a Tuesday <laughs> hopefully it will be on a weekend but yeah, I mean, I, I really hope it happens because it would also be like a great experience for the team. Um, like facing a national team, um, Argentina have some really great players. And I mean, I think that these are the kinds of matches that bring out like even more like the competitive spirit from players. So, yeah, I think that that hopefully we can see that. And that would also be like the first time a, a Liga MX team faces an international national team instead of a, like like a club friendly so yeah i mean hopefully we can we can see that match and hopefully the national team lets us keep our our players for that too
0: yeah they they kind of did the theater of that favor this this um fifa break so I, I they probably they'll probably do it right maybe they'll take licha like they take one one key player i guess they would probably take licha but it'll still be a cool uh cool game to to witness to watch I'm I'm just hoping eventually you know I started I went to a Gotham game for the first time so I'm hoping you know maybe Chivas from makes their way out here to play them somehow that'd be that'd be pretty dope
1: yeah and I mean also like the the rest of the calendar has some really interesting matches they're up against Pachuca after the FIFA break and then it's Pumas America and Tigres like back to back and those are at home um that's going to be like a crazy two weeks then it's Puebla Querétaro Rayadas and their final match of the regular season is against Toluca so yeah plenty of of interesting matchups there for for the team on the second half of the season so we'll see hopefully everybody stays injury free and and they can keep like building on that momentum
0: yeah uh, rough stretch for Chivas I think to end their season America and thinking it's back to back it's going to be it's going to be tough but Luckily, they're both at home, so hopefully the crowd shows up and it's a home field advantage. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with Chivas Femenil. Uh, Melissa, I guess we'll, we'll record every week now. Now.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we, we shouldn't trying. wait until we need them to kick <laughs> out another coach. <laughs> uh,
0: you we're, know what I saw in the Discord? I saw, how about Shari Mejia to Chivas men's side? Yeah, no,
1: stay away from Shari. <laughs> he's ours we don't need you guys to to break him emotionally (laughs) by coaching the the men's team (laughs) yeah no stay away from chore (laughs) yeah
0: i mean in my head i was like you have half your organization running okay like don't don't mess up everything
1: (laughs) yeah i don't know i think that that he seems like committed to to staying on the feminine side of things and like Especially with the, the way they've been restructuring everything. And he's also kind of like overseeing the, the youth squads and everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that he, he's got a good thing going on there for him right now.
0: Definitely. Do not do not touch shorty. Do not bring him to the men's side. Figure it out. I think they just announced Lang is going to be the interim coach. So we'll see how that goes. But um, Melissa, anything else you want to add before we end the episode?
1: Um, nope just like let's watch the, the national team support them too and then we'll be back um, against Pachuca on the on the 27th and yeah just like keep an eye on, on our social media where we'll be posting like scheduling and any news that we, we get from the Argentina friendly and from all the other upcoming matches
0: alright this has been another episode of the Cubas del Norte podcast thank you for listening we are out